Hello, Metro Augusta. This is Janice Allen Jackson welcoming you to the June 29th edition of Local Matters, a show designed to make you a more confident voter and a more engaged citizen. As always, today's show is brought to you by my consulting firm, and that is Janice Allen Jackson and Associates. You can learn more about me and the services provided by my firm at our website, and that is JaniceAllenJackson.Weebly, that's W-E-E-B-L-Y dot com. Before we get started with today's topic, of course, I have to remind you of what you do when you miss the radio version of Local Matters. Radio version is here on Wednesday afternoons, but we know that everyone is not necessarily in place to listen at that time. And for those of you who aren't, that is why we also do a podcast version. That podcast version is available on all major platforms to include SoundCloud, Apple, and Spotify. So if you are familiar with those platforms, you know how to just Google those, uh, check on Local Matters. I think there are a couple different Local Matters podcasts throughout the country, but you can recognize mine because my photo is on my cover. That will be the way that you know that this is the Local Matters that you're looking for. Also, there are two other really good ways to find the podcast version. The first is to go to my website, which I referenced before, JaniceAllenJackson.Weebly.com. There is a Local Matters tab. You go there and you can find the episodes. Just click on them there to listen or to share with others who could benefit from the information. Also, most recently, we started a Local Matters podcast Facebook page. If you are on Facebook, please go and like my page. Uh, my Facebook friends have been quite responsive in terms of giving us a like. Please go in and like those. If you like it, that means it is more likely to show up on your timeline when new episodes are released. And we want you to keep going back to that page so that you know when those episodes come out. So uh, there's Facebook, there's my website. And then, of course, the podcast platforms. And of course, if you're into radio, we're always here Wednesday afternoon at 1.30 p.m. Now that the elections are over, I know some of you are thinking, what in the world is Janice going to talk about? Well, as you probably figured out, there are an endless array of local and state government topics that we can cover. Um, and we're going to start with those today. We've got an exciting program over the next couple of months of uh, really good shows to help uh, you learn more about the services that are provided and can be provided through governments. Uh, before we do that, though, I want to talk about last week's episode. If you missed it, please go to it. Uh, one of my friends and regular listeners uh, texted me and said that was a 10-star episode last week. And, I, you know, I really enjoy those episodes where I get a chance to analyze election results, not just talk about who won, because you already know who won. You can pick that up from the newspaper or the TV station. 
what I would like to talk about is the key factors, why they won, and what impact their elections are going to have on the bodies that they plan that will serve on. Uh, we've got a mayor who is um, going to be a first-time office holder. Uh, we have one commissioner who's going to be a first-time office holder, and we have one returning. So last week, I sort of got into what I think they bring to the bodies that they've been elected to serve on and the impact that they'll have there, as well as the analysis on why uh, it is that they won those particular offices. Uh, today, we're going to talk about just the opposite, which is if somebody is elected and you decide that they are no longer fit to serve in office, is there a way to deal with that? Um, in fact, there is a process that helps you deal with that. And this topic came to mind because as I check social media, you know, on Facebook, there are a number of pages that cover local politics here in the Augusta area. Uh, one of those pages uh, talked about uh, possible interest in recall of an elected official. Uh, obviously on local matters, we never uh, take a position on those things one way or another. Uh, my purpose for creating the show is not controversy. My purpose for creating the show is education. So I want to make sure that you as our local matters listeners know that when you hear that term, what exactly does that mean? So we're going to do a little exploration on the term recall. So as I said, again, you will know what that means and will be able to put that in context when you hear that term being utilized. In short, a political recall is the process by which citizens can remove elected officials from office before their term is completed. This process typically includes the circulation of petitions by recall organizers, the evaluation of signatures by election, election officials, and a public vote if the petitions are deemed to have sufficient valid signatures. So typically when we say we want to get somebody out of office, we have to wait until the end of that term, and we have to hope that there's somebody out there that's going to run against the person that we believe no longer needs to serve. However, if the circumstances are so critical or deemed so urgent that it's necessary to remove someone from office before that designated term is over, the recall process is the way in which you do that. The details of the recall process vary from state to state. Officials who are recalled in five states have their successors determined by appointment. Uh, in other states that allow political recalls, the recall vote may involve one of the following, a yes or no vote on the targeted official, a contested vote between the targeted official and one or more challengers, or a simultaneous yes or no vote on the targeted official and a vote to select a replacement if the official loses the yes or no vote. Of the 39 states that allow political recalls, 12 require legal or political grounds for the recall petition, which can range from disagreements over policy to malfeasance or abuse of power. So 
if we go to our state of Georgia, which of course is what is going to be of the most interest to us, Georgia is a state that allows recalls for a specific reason. The Constitution of the state of Georgia authorizes the General Assembly to provide by general law for the recall of public officials who hold elective office. The relevant legislation requires at least one of the following grounds for recalling uh, someone or for calling for a recall election. Those grounds for recall include the following. And again, it has to be at least one of the following. A, an act of malfeasance or misconduct while in office. B, a violation of the oath of office. C, a failure to perform duties as prescribed by law, or D, willfully misusing, converting, or misappropriating without authority public property or public funds entrusted to or associated with the elective office to which the official has been elected or appointed. So again, Georgia is one of those states where you can have a recall but you have to have certain grounds for it. You can't just say, hey, I don't like him or her and it's time for them to go. They have to have done something to meet that criteria. And I know I included some fancy words in there, uh, malfeasance and misconduct. So let's look up what those terms mean. In the case of malfeasance, it just means wrongdoing, especially by a public official. Uh, to give you an example of malfeasance, um, let's use this. Let's say that there is a judge that's been taking a bribe from the prosecution or the defense for that matter. The judge had the knowledge that it is illegal to take money for giving judgment in favor of a person. Since the judge knows that his action is illegal, but continues to carry on doing the act anyway, that is considered an act of malfeasance or wrongdoing. Similarly, misconduct. Misconduct is considered unacceptable or improper behavior, especially by employee or a professional person. It can also be considered mismanagement, especially culpable neglect of duties. So, mismanagement, unacceptable behavior, et cetera, those are the types of things that can lead to a successful recall petition. Now, having said that, um, in Georgia, we'll walk through the process. It's a very detailed process to um, get somebody actually recalled. And after we talk through that process, um, we'll also look at some uh, examples of attempts in Georgia over the past couple of decades to uh, implement recall petitions. Uh, first, please be aware that there is a signature requirement for the recall of elected officials in Georgia, um, and that is according to the official code of Georgia annotated 21-4-4. A recall election of local officers, and that's what we're going to focus on here today, or state officers whose electoral districts encompass only a part of the state requires valid signatures equal to at least 
30% of the number of electors who were registered and qualified to vote in the preceding election for that office. Also in Georgia, even I think before you get to that point, you have got to get 100 signatures of electors in order to even get this considered. Um, for instance, you may recall that just uh, recently, um, there was an attempt to recall an elected official on our Augusta Richmond County Commission, uh, an application for a recall petition against Catherine Smith McKnight, a member of the Augusta Richmond County Commission, was filed by Monique Braswell. The Richmond County Board of Elections determined that not enough ballot signatures were acquired. To move the recall forward, the application needed to include, but the petition was found only to have 92 valid signatures. So you get people to sign. Um, those who sign are considered sponsors of the recall, but the Board of Elections has to verify that those signatures are valid. And when they say valid, that means that there are people who actually uh, are in that particular district and they're registered voters, among other things. That's just for starters. In this particular case, Ms. Braswell needed to have collected 100 signatures from voters who participated in the last election to be allowed to circulate a recall petition. So as I said earlier, it's not just being a registered voter. It's not just living in the district. You actually had to have voted in the election where this particular official was elected. So that's the first thing. It's sort of like a needle in the haystack sort of thing to make sure, because there are going to be some people who tell you, oh, yeah, I want to sign the petition. Um, and you ask them, hey, did you vote in the last election? And they tell you, yeah, sure, I did. But the Board of Elections is going to check that to make sure that the individual actually did vote. And even if you get that first 100 signatures from those sponsors, that would mean your application has been approved. Then you would need an additional 4,650 signatures in this case would, that would have been needed for the recall to go to a vote to the public. And that 4,650, 4,650 signatures, again, it's based upon 30% uh, of those who were registered voters at the time that that election took place in that particular district. So that's a pretty high hurdle to cross. And in this case, this local effort did not succeed because they did not cross that hurdle. Um, generally, we will find in Georgia that it has been the case that the vast majority of these petitions have not met the criteria. Uh, I went to ballotpedia.org, which is another one of those uh, neutral sources for information that I like to find and share with you as I give you information. And um, I just looked at a long list. It's probably at least 40. I got a little lazy, uh, too lazy to try to count. Um, but it looks like there were at least 40 attempts like the one with Catherine Smith McKnight that never made it to a vote because they didn't reach the criteria necessary. Um, these are cases from throughout the state. You look uh, Worth County, Gwinnett County, uh, Waycross, uh, Judicial Circuit, Board of Education recall, 
Fayette County, Quitman County, Randolph County, Carroll County. So there have been attempts at uh, county commissioners, school board members, mayors, city council members throughout the state. And most of those attempts have been unsuccessful because it is so difficult to get the number of verifiable signatures necessary to actually get those recalls on the ballot for a vote. And then even if you did get it on the ballot for a vote, uh, chances are you never know. The voters may decide that that individual person has not or that office holder has not violated uh, their oath of office or committed misconduct or malfeasance. So it's a diff series of difficult hurdles to cross in order to actually get somebody recalled. Uh, I will say, if I look at the history in Georgia uh, over the last couple of decades, uh, sometimes the pressure of a recall actually winds up in elected officials resigning. Uh, they determine that they don't want to fight against the recall effort, and they decide to go ahead and step down. Uh, that's happened uh, at least three times in the state of Georgia since 2014. In other instances, the person who is being recalled will decide to take this to court and let a judge decide if they've really met the criteria, the malfeasance, the misconduct, the misappropriation of funds, violation of oath of office. They will ask a judge to look at those circumstances for them um, only three times in the state of Georgia since approximately 2000, it appears, 2005, maybe the most recent one I see here, uh, which is almost 20 years. There's only been three times where elected officials actually have been removed from office. Um, those were uh, in Lithonia, Georgia, Meigs, Georgia, and in a community improvement district in Gwinnett County, Georgia. Um, so three successful there's one uh, where an individual uh, in 2005, uh, mayor in Riverdale, Georgia, by the name of Phaedra Graham, uh, was the center of a controversial signature gathering method. A complaint was filed uh, and uh, the allegations of signature fraud were not born out on the further investigation. So that was one attempt where it started moving forward and then the uh, recall was defeated. So say that to say, this is one of those things that is easier said than done. Um, people may say, hey, we want to get rid of this person, we want to move that person out. Um, but given the standards in Georgia, it is extremely difficult to do and therefore is rare to do. As I was exploring the topic of recall, I started thinking, well, is it the same as impeachment? Um, impeachment, of course, happens at the federal level with the president. Um, those of us um, who watch um, here lately have seen attempts uh, to recall with Trump as well as with Clinton. Uh, what happens there is that the legislative bodies um, make those decisions, they review the evidence and make decisions, whereas in the instance of a recall, the public actually gets to participate. So uh, at the local level and state level, it is more likely that the citizens will be able to make those decisions 
And quite frankly, that is one of the things that I probably like more about the process at the local and state level is that we, the voters, get to decide as opposed to our elected representatives making decisions for us. I hope this little talk on recalls has been helpful to you as you process some of the information that you see on social media and conversation that you hear in the community about um, certain folks and whether they should or should not be allowed to continue in office. And again, the purpose here on Local Matters is to make sure that you just understand what people are saying when you hear those types of uh, allegations and you hear that type of conversation. Now, having completed that little discussion, uh, let's talk some about some of the topics that Local Matters will get into over the next several weeks. Um, I always uh, listen to our listeners. There are some members of the Local Matters family who like to reach out to me and, hey, why don't you do a show on this, that, or what have you? Um, so uh, that's what we're going to do. Uh, the, the shows that uh, we'll have upcoming are uh, coming straight from listeners, and it's things that listeners have told me that they want other members of the Local Matters family to know more about. Uh, one of those topics is the surge in crime here in the Augusta area. Um, I uh, would like to invite uh, some of our local officials uh, to come in and, and talk about that. Um, and I know there are no easy answers. Uh, I had the opportunity a couple of weeks ago, I just happened to be on my little walk and y'all hear me talk about my walks through downtown Augusta and uh, a reporter from WJBF uh, just happened to stop me just as a person on the street and ask, hey, you know, are you afraid to come downtown for various special events because of recent criminal activity in the downtown area. Uh, my answer to her was what is all, what it always is, is no, I'm, I'm not afraid. But I also pointed out that there are things that I think our community has to undertake in order to get our crime problem under control. So uh, that interview is in fact on my Local Matters Facebook page, or you can search the website of WJBF uh, to see a little snippet about what I had to say about that one. But I want to have some detail and in-depth discussion about crime in Augusta, uh, where we headed, where we are headed, where we've been, and what we consider some of the solutions to be. Uh, also, we're going to take a look at the court system. Um, we're going to just talk about what happens in court. I know we may not think about it that way, but just like a meeting of the school board or the Augusta Commission is a public meeting, so is the court. The court, court is the people's business. And uh, I've had occasion on a couple of times to just sit through a court session and see what happens there. So we're going to invite a, co a court watcher, Donna Moran, who's a member of our community, to come in and talk about some of the things that she has observed as a court watcher. Uh, also, I'm going to bring in my state representative. One of the last times I get a chance to say that, uh, Sheila Clark Nelson is going to come in and talk about uh, some of the things that the General Assembly accomplished in the 2022 session. Um, if you are a resident in what um, had been 
District 125, like I am, uh, you probably received a newsletter from her recently where she summarized uh, some of the legislation that has been passed. Um, in particular, I want to focus on those things related to mental health and to education and financial aid. Uh, and we can talk about uh, some other things as well that she sees as high priorities. Uh, I'm going to get a chance and you're going to get a chance, therefore, to hear from her about some of the uh, pluses, some of the high moments and accomplishments uh, that she feels like she's been able to bring to bear as a uh, representative in our local legislative delegation, and also talk about some of the not so glamorous aspects of serving in our state house of representatives. Also, uh, I have invited Miss Ann Streetman Knighton. Uh, if those of you attended uh, Richmond Academy, uh, Mrs. Knighton was the first African-American teacher at Richmond Academy. She started, I think, in 1969. Um, I knew her then as a chemistry teacher, but I am also going to ask her to focus on a topic that she has dedicated the last 55 or so years of her life to, and that is being the advocate for her daughter, Erica Knighton. Uh, Erica has has developmental disabilities and has been institutionalized for most of her life. And um, there's just a lot that we don't know about what services are provided and not provided by the state of Georgia to individuals with developmental disabilities. So I've invited uh, Ms. Knighton as a personal advocate uh, to talk about some of the things that she's also done as a, an advocate for all, uh, not just for her daughter, and uh, talk about where uh, she believes our state government needs to be in the services that they provide to folks with disabilities. Um, so we got a lot of topics to cover, uh, courts, crime, uh, public safety, um, state legislature, education, mental health care, just a lot of really, really salient topics that local matters will get into um, before we get around to election coverage again. Uh, before we know it, it'll be November 8th and it'll be time to talk to candidates for statewide office, um, as well as some of the other items that will be on the ballot at that time. So, Thank you so much for being a part of the Local Matters family. I will also extend this. Um, just like these members of the Local Matters family reached out to me and asked me to uh, feature their topics or asked me to invite in other guests to cover those topics, you can do that too. Uh, if you are an engaged member of our Local Matters family, um, you can go to my website, JaniceAllenJackson.Weebly.com. Leave a suggested topic. You can also go to my Facebook page if you're there, um, the Local Matters Facebook page. Reach out to me on Facebook Messenger and leave me other suggested topics because we are here for education purposes and it helps me know what you need to be educated on in relationship to state and local government uh, when I hear from you. So. Uh, please do reach out to us.
Again, don't forget to like the Local Matters Facebook page. Uh, don't forget to reach out to me. Uh, and don't forget, most importantly, to tell all of those in your network how great it is to take advantage of the information that we provide so that they can indeed become uh, more informed and engaged so you have some impact on the quality of life that you experience. I close with my favorite Bible verse from 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. This show is designed to contribute to each of those, giving you the power that comes with knowledge, demonstrating love for your local community, and offering you wisdom for decision-making so that you possess a sound mind when it comes to these topics. Please tune in next Wednesday at 1.30 p.m. here on WKZK, 1600 AM, 103.7 FM, and WKZK.net, because local matters.